Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fabulous Mondays, wherever you may be, across this great country or around this great land. Had an awesome time down at the beach over the weekend. I am headed to Washington, D.C. on for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's Outkick Show. Uh, I'll be on Big Noon Saturday, big college football games coming up. I'll be with Luke Bryan. So got a lot of activities going on. Um, I'm going to be doing the college football and NFL gambling show that I do with Kelly in Vegas, Kelly Stewart. Tomorrow we're going to tape that. So we got a bunch of shows that are still taking place this week, but I'll be on the road again. Wanted to tell you that uh, out of the gate. Uh, and we've got a lot of, uh, of reactions to dive into on college football. Reminder, every Monday, College Football Reaction Monday, Every Tuesday, NFL Reaction Tuesday during football season. That's the way we roll here uh, on OutKick the Show. So I just want to give you a little bit of a, uh, a preview there. Gambling picks will be up tomorrow in college football. They'll be up Wednesday on the NFL. And we'll discuss with, or maybe be, they may both be up tomorrow because we're doing the gambling show with Kelly. And I like to get that info up uh, as fast as I can with all of you, given how much those numbers can change. Okay, college football reactions. Game of the year so far. Washington, what a win over Oregon. Now, as good as Michael Penix Jr. was and as good as Bo Nix was, feels like both of those guys are going to be fairly high draft picks. Don't know how either of them will pan out in the NFL, but it reminded me a bit, at least a little bit, of when we saw Joe Burrow go head-to-head with Tua. And I was at that game in 2019 in Tuscaloosa, and both teams went up and down the field. That LSU offense was performing at an incredible level. It's one of the best college football teams we've ever seen. The Joe Burrow-led LSU Tiger national title undefeated, I think 14-0 and team that clinched the championship down in New Orleans. Right before COVID shut down everything, they won that game uh, in early January of 2020. Then we had the Super Bowl in uh, Miami, and then boom, the world lost its mind. Everything got shut down. It's one of the best college football games from an offensive perspective I've ever seen. I was also in Tuscaloosa uh, for the exact opposite of that game, which was the 9-6, to if I remember correctly, LSU win in the 1-2 versus two matchup that then Alabama came back to dominate and win also in New Orleans in the LSU-Alabama rematch national title game. Okay, Uh, I put all that in context because both quarterbacks were extraordinary, and I think it factored in in a big way in the way that Oregon coach Dan Lanning coached. He went 0 for 3 on fourth downs, and a lot of people out there are talking about the way that he went 0 for 3 uh, and the fact that especially the last time when he went for it, I think on fourth and three, 
where if they convert, the game is over. Instead, he doesn't get it. Boom, a couple of plays later, later Michael Penix Jr. and Washington score, and they go on to win by three points. Why do I bring all that up? I think it was the right decision. Now, the one decision I would change is if I were Oregon, I would have kicked the field goal at the end of the half. If you were watching this game, and I was flipping back, I'll talk about Tennessee and Texas A&M quite a bit as well, but I was watching this game, and in real time, I said, uh, kick the field goal. Even before I knew what the result was going to be, I think there was six seconds left in the game, so I thought the risk-reward on scoring there was not in favor of going forward for it, and it would have been 22-21 Washington, I think, at the half, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, if Oregon would have kicked the field goal there. I think kicking the field goal there was the right decision. I don't have a uh, an issue with the choice made by Dan Lanning to go for it on fourth down. I know he took responsibility for the loss. It's not on him. I think that was the right decision. And how many of you remember this game? Do you remember when uh, Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts were going against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots And in a similar scenario, I think he was on like the New England 35-yard line. Bill Belichick went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. The Colts then came back down and scored. This was at the absolute apex of the Brady versus Manning rivalry. And that decision was one of the first times you ever saw a coach go for it on his own side of the field. And the analysis that Belichick was doing in that situation was the Colts offense was having such success that he felt like they would drive down the field and score. So he didn't want to give them the ball and he didn't think he was gaining enough in field position in that scenario to put his, uh, to not go for it and try to end the games. Very similar, very similar to the decision that Lanning made. Now, Belichick, didn't get the first down, and a lot of people criticized it. What I always say is, and I think this is a good lesson in life in general, make the right choices, and over time you'll get the right results. But on any individual choice, you might not have the right result pan out. And that's why uh, Nick Saban talks a lot about the process. Did we make the right choice and not looking at the results But looking at all the information you had in front of you at that point in time, did you make the right choice? I think that they did make the right choice. I think that Oregon made the right choice to go for it there. It's aggressive. But if you get it, you have a 100% chance of winning. If you don't get it, you still probably have what? Like a 40%, 45%, maybe even higher. I don't know what the percentages are that Washington scores in that scenario, taking over at the 35-yard line. And obviously, what you would have to run it from an analytics perspective is what they score, let's say, if they start the drive at the 20 and have to go 80 yards as opposed to to starting at 35. I think the analytics add up in favor of the choice that Dan Dan Lanning made. Now, the result didn't add up. And again, of the three fourth-down conversions he went for where he failed, the only one I would change... Uh, is I would have changed that field goal at the end of the first half. Here's the upshot of all this. Still very likely these teams are going to play again because the Pac-12 takes now the best two teams, and I think based on everything that we've seen so far, Washington and Oregon are the two best teams. Now, 
certainly possible that Oregon could lose another game. It's possible that Washington could lose a couple. I don't think it's likely, but it's certainly possible. Uh, but uh, but a huge win for Washington. Michael Penix Jr., I checked yesterday, now minus 140 to win the Heisman. Nobody else is better than 10-1. to 1. So that is, without a doubt, the biggest outcome uh, of, uh, of the game so far uh, of the season. Best game, best play. Uh, I thought it was uh, it was all really fantastic. Um, all right, couple of other things that are out there uh, that I think uh, factor in in a big way of these games. Brock Bowers, as I am talking to you live on Monday, is going to be out, according to reports, four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. He's going to have the same surgery that Tua had. Now, Brock Bowers has obviously been the best weapon on the offensive side of the ball for uh, for Georgia so far. He's been a huge security blanket for, uh, for uh, Carson Beck. And the question that I would have in general is, when could Brock Bowers be back? He is now a junior. He will be a top 10 pick when he comes out and is able to get drafted next year. And I'm going to talk to you now as a dad, right? I've got a 15-year-old, I've got a 13-year-old, and I've got a 9-year-old. If I were Brock Bowers' dad, and Brock Bowers' dad or mom don't have the ability to make choices for him now, I don't think I would come back. And some of you out there are going to say, Clay, what are you talking about? That's crazy. He's got to come back. He's already won two national championships. He's already got two national title rings. Uh, certainly he can go for a third if he comes back. I would say to him, son, you've proven everything you need to prove at the college level. I would tell him, look, he's an adult, so he'll make his own decision now. But if you were asking, if he were my son, and like I said, I've got three boys right now, he's proven everything he needs to prove at the college level. I would not rush back to try to come back and play for any game. I would say, okay, I'm going to have this surgery. I'm going to rehab my ankle. I want to be 100% in February, and I want to be 100% for the combine and go ahead and prepare my body to be as physically healthy as I can to start my NFL career. And that would be my perspective. He could make his own choice, but he's played half of the season now for Georgia. Georgia is sitting at 6-0. and He's a two-time defending national champion. He's going to be a top 10 pick. He's going to be the first tight end taken off the board. He may have a 10-12 to year NFL career in front of him. I would say, Brock, you've done everything you need. I don't think you need to rush back. Now, maybe this, maybe this ankle is not going to be that bad. Maybe he's going to feel incredible uh, by the time you get to mid-November. And certainly, if you're a Georgia fan, uh, you would point to that game against Tennessee, uh, to the game against Missouri, but you'd probably point to that game against Tennessee, which is the toughest game theoretically remaining on the schedule. And you would say against bye week this week for Georgia, then you got the cocktail party. I think if you were a, a Georgia fan, you'd say, hey, Brock, can you get back for Florida? Uh, sorry, for Tennessee. Can you be ready for the SEC championship game to play on into the playoffs and everything else? I'm just saying, if I were the dad here, 
I would want him to get 100% healthy. I would think he has proven enough in college, already won two national championships. I would say, go ahead and get back to 100%. Don't rush yourself back. Somehow get injured again in uh, in no- late November, December, or even in the playoff. Um, I-, I would go ahead. Maybe you say, hey, if you're 100% by the time you get to the playoff and if Georgia's in it, maybe you want to play in January. But I would be inclined to sit out uh, if I were the dad giving the advice. Now, if I'm the kid, and one of the good things about being a dad is you get to think about things because you've experienced them both. You've been 20 years old, and now I'm old enough to have a 15-year-old. Uh, you can see it from both perspectives. I'd also let him make his own choice. If Brock Bowers really wants to come back, I would do to Brock Bowers, I would say, hey, my advice is dad is go ahead and start trading for the NFL Combine. We've seen this happen. Um I think with a couple of different guys at Ohio State, uh, if I remember correctly, one of the Bosa's, and I don't remember which one, basically had a health condition and shut himself down and didn't come back. And I feel like one of the wide receivers at Ohio State made the same choice about halfway through the season. Um, I would say, go ahead, get yourself back 100%. Don't play. But I wouldn't stop him from playing. I'd say that, you know, but you know what? The flip side is Brock. You are old enough to make your own choice. And I don't buy into the idea that any NFL team is going to judge him. They want him to be healthy for them for the next decade. He's proven his overall ability. Uh, That's what I would say as it pertains to breaking down what has become already now a, uh, a big story. And I was already telling you, hey, I think Brock Bowers should be considered a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. That's how good he's been. All right, a couple of other games. Alabama. Gave up a, a, a big lead. I think they, they scored 21 uh, unanswered. They were uh, down 6 nothing. scored 21 unanswered, uh, allow Arkansas to come back. I just don't think that's higher that good relative to the standard that Nick Saban has set in the past. Now, they may blow out Tennessee. They may blow out Kentucky. Uh, I don't think they have national championship caliber talent. Uh, they may blow out Auburn. They may win the rest of the way. They may go 8-0 in the SEC. Uh I just don't think they have national title caliber talent on the offensive side of the ball. I haven't seen it. Um, and the 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 what is it? They've given up five or more sacks in every SEC game they've played so far. Jalen Milrose stands back there. He can make plays. He's got a great uh, ability to throw deep. Uh, but I think that he is going to continue to take hits at some point. Going to throw a couple of picks, and I think Alabama is going to find themselves in a major fight. Uh, so I'm not sold on Alabama. I'll talk about my SEC rankings in a little bit. I watched Texas A&M Tennessee. Ugly game. I thought the officiating was subpar, both when it came to seeing face masks, also when it came to calling pass interference penalties. I just thought it was an ugly ref show, and they still missed a lot of calls that they should have made. It's never good when you have 10-plus penalties on both sides, and they're still missing obvious calls in both directions. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. 
The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. But Jimbo Fisher lost his eighth consecutive road game. Uh, Tennessee won their 13th consecutive home game. And it felt to me like two programs passing in the night. Let me talk about A&M first. I'm stunned after what they did in the 2020 season when A&M went 9-1, and should have, I believe, been one of the four playoff teams. Instead, Notre Dame got in. I didn't think Notre Dame deserved to get there. I'll talk about Notre Dame SC here in a minute. Um, but if you look at what's going on with A&M, Jimbo Fisher has significantly declined. And I wrote about this in the starting 11, which you can always go read and break down yourself. But to me, here's what A&M has done uh, in, the last, uh, in the last little bit. Um, he got to 9-1 in the COVID year, which is even more impressive than most one-loss seasons would be. Because remember, in the COVID year, those were all SEC games. So they played 10 high-quality SEC games. They managed to do it in the COVID year, probably the most challenging year that any coach has had. I thought A&M was prepared at that point in time to take off and go to the next level. Jimbo went 8-4 and in 2021. Okay, but that included the win over Alabama. So even if you were a little bit unhappy as an A&M fan, uh, there were some really good moments in that 2021 year. Then 5-7 in 2022, really big drop-off. But A&M was still good enough to beat Bama. Uh, they didn't, but they were good enough to. And then fell apart 4-3 and three now this year. 8-12 uh, and 12 overall in the SEC over those three years. You've still got Ole Miss, and you still have LSU. Meaning if I were betting, I would bet on A&M finishing 7-5 and five this year. Doesn't mean they couldn't win one of those games. They could still be an 8-4 and four caliber team. They got a lot of talent particularly on the offensive side of the ball. It just hasn't happened. Now, a lot of A&M people, they have the biggest, richest booster group in the country, and a lot of A&M people can afford to stroke big checks. That Jimbo Fisher uh, contract doesn't look as substantial now as it did when they signed him several years ago and brought him in from Florida State. Seminoles are back winning at Mike with Mike Norvell, uh, meaning Jimbo's failure at A&M looks even more glaring because Florida State's program appears to be in better shape right now than the A&M program does, meaning what you brought Jimbo in for, uh, which is to win at an incredibly high level, it happened with Jameis Winston. It hasn't really happened uh, in A&M on the same caliber of level. It happened with Jameis Winston, obviously, at Florida State. Who can you get who's better? That's why I think A&M is in a really tough spot here. I don't feel as if there is someone you point to and you say, oh, that person is infinitely better. They don't stand out. It doesn't seem to me likely that that would be the case. Uh, you're also going to have to pay him a lot of money. I don't really know what I think about A&M at this point because, again, anytime you fire a coach, I think you have to think in terms of probability, but ceilings and floors, right? What's the best case coach you could get? Who could you point to and say, that guy's going to win at A&M at an incredible level? Urban Meyer? I honestly don't know. To me, there is no one out there that is available in the college coaching ranks 
that has a better resume than Jimbo Fisher did when he came to A&M. Doesn't mean somebody else can't do a better job. That can certainly happen. But no one out there, you look at and you say, oh, he won a national championship. Who's a national championship winning coach that's going to come to A&M right now? Dabo's not coming. Saban's not coming. Uh, who do you point to? First of all, there's not a lot of national championship caliber coaches out there. It's one of the things you learn. That's why I mentioned Urban. But does Urban want that job? And are you 100% confident that Urban would win at an incredibly high level at a and I don't know that I am. And I think Urban Meyer, we know, won at Utah, Bowling Green, Florida, and Ohio State at a phenomenal level. Not sure that I'm sold on A&M being able to do a lot better. Who's the floor? Maybe it's lower than Jimbo. With Texas coming into the league, A&M's recruiting well. I get the frustration. I think I'd be inclined to see how the season plays out. And if Jimbo gets to 8-4, give him another year. I know it's not going to make everybody happy because everybody wants to take action, but I just don't know who the candidate is that is infinitely better. So that's my analysis of A&M. Big win for Tennessee. Josh Heupel had not won a game. He was 0-6 when his team scores fewer than 30 points. Tennessee got the win. They're 5-1. Didn't play a good half at Florida. But Florida, to be fair, got a nice win over South Carolina. The Gators are sitting at 5-2 into their bye week have a chance to pull off a huge upset over Georgia. Maybe they're better than we thought. Maybe. They got whipped by Kentucky. Makes you think no, but they beat Tennessee, and Tennessee's fairly solid. Here's the deal. Tennessee's not very good at quarterback relative to last year with Hendon Hooker. They're certainly a lot worse at wide receiver. I think Tennessee is better at running back. I think they're similar at offensive line. They are way better on the defensive side of the ball. And I want to give you a guy's name. James Pierce Junior, He is number 27 for Tennessee. He is a true sophomore. He's the best rusher that Tennessee has had since Leonard Little. I don't know what the data reflects. I can't tell you who's had the most sacks. There have been a lot of first-round playmakers on the defensive side of the ball over the years. James Pierce Jr., in my opinion, is the best rusher Tennessee has had since Leonard Little. And again, there have been a lot of first-round uh, uh, defensive t- players, right, on the defensive line for Tennessee over the years. Albert Hainsworth, uh, Big John Henderson, um, uh, Derek Barnett, certainly back in the day, Reggie White. I never saw him play at Tennessee. Been guys in the secondary like Eric Berry, Deion Grant, who are incredible talents that are dominant players uh, on uh, the defensive side of the ball. But in terms of rushing the passer, I think that James Pierce right now, and he gets another year next year, is the best rusher that the Tennessee defense has had in this century. I think a lot of you are going to learn his name going forward. And if you're not a college football fan, I think he is poised to be a top 10 pick next year. Maybe the first overall defensive end off the board. Just a freakazoid talent who can get to the quarterback at a really high rate. Now, he needs to get stronger. He can get bigger physically, but just in terms of pushing, putting pressure on quarterbacks, he's the best Tennessee's had in 20 years. 
So we'll talk some about what I expect to see in that game against Alabama this weekend, but I think it's going to be the polar opposite of the game we saw last year. Last year, Tennessee wins last second field goal, puts up 50 on Bama. I think it's going to be a lot like the A&M game. Uh, if Tennessee avoids turning the football over, runs the ball with their three talented running backs, lets Joe Milton stay fairly protected, doesn't require a lot from him. I think this game will be like 24-21, 24-20. Somebody might win by 10. Bama might end up winning by 10, but it'll be like 28-17. to It's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't think Tennessee's going to give up a lot of points. And really, I think it's going to come down uh, to whether Jalen Milrow or uh, Joe Milton throws more interceptions. By the way, I wrote in a lot of topics. Uh, I'm actually not going to be able to get to all those topics, so I'm going to try to be fast here because I got so much to say about all the college football uh, games that we just saw. Um, Notre Dame, congratulations to the Fighting Irish. I predicted four playoff teams before the season started. I said my one was uh, going to be, uh, I think I said Michigan. Did I say Georgia? Georgia was, no, sorry, Georgia was my one. My two was Florida State. My three was Michigan. My four was SC. A couple weeks ago, I told you I felt very confident about the first three, Georgia, Michigan, uh, and um, and Florida State. I still feel like the, all three of those teams have a very good chance to make the playoff. But SC wasn't good enough for the playoff. And uh, what we saw from Notre Dame was Notre Dame exposed them. I know Notre Dame had the big win over Clemson. I think it was last year. Uh, but this was a huge signature win for Marcus Freeman. Uh, didn't get it over Ohio State. Uh, did Got a late win against Duke. Got whipped by Louisville. But this left a lot of fighting Irish fans very, very ecstatic about where their program can go from here. I actually think Notre Dame's going to lose to Clemson in Clemson uh, and will finish 9-3. and three. But Marcus Freeman is putting together a top 10 class. I think you have to be ecstatic about Notre Dame. And what I wrote in the starting 11 is the physical uh, size, the athleticism of Notre Dame was not in any way in question against USC or against Ohio State. And we know both of those schools recruit at the absolute apex of high school talent and then develop it into elite college talent. One of the problems Notre Dame has had, and I remember walking around the field back in the Orange Bowl in the day, in the Manti Teow days, uh, when Notre Dame got absolutely obliterated by Alabama. Um, if you remember that, uh, they were not on the same caliber of talent as Alabama, not even close. And certainly in the Brian Kelly years, that was the story whenever Alabama or Ohio State or somebody really good in the college football ranks with a high level of talent, went up against Notre Dame. They tended to whip them pretty solidly. Um, I don't think that's happening now, at least relative to the talent that we saw against Ohio State and against SC. Um, Michigan, another dominant win. Let me just give you these uh, these numbers. Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, they start the round robin this weekend with Penn State going to Ohio State. So far, Michigan has won this year. By 27, 28, 25, 24, 38, 42, and 45 points. Seven wins. They haven't given up more than 10. Only once in those seven games has anyone scored double digits on them. That is why I have got Michigan now as 
continuing my number one overall team in college football. I've got Michigan one, uh, Florida State two. Florida State, nice win this weekend. They're kind of under the radar because they're not playing a lot of great teams. They play Duke this weekend, which I think will be an intriguing matchup. I've got Georgia third, although as we discussed earlier, that Brock Bowers injury gives me pause. We've got Washington four, Penn State five. Again, I bumped Washington all the way up to four. Penn State's been pretty dominant all year at five. I've got Ohio State at six, Oklahoma at seven, uh, Texas at eight, Oregon at nine, and North Carolina don't sleep on Drake May and the Tar Heels at 10. Um, In terms of the SEC power rankings, let me run through all of these for you now. I've got Georgia 1. I've got Alabama 2. I've got Ole Miss 3. I don't really think anybody out there can argue with those three. I think so far this season, Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss have shown themselves to be the best teams in the SEC. I think LSU's the fourth best, and I know they were bad in the second half against FSU, and uh, I know they got beaten uh, by Ole Miss, but that was very much of a shootout. They were throwing into the end zone with a chance to win. I've got LSU at four. They won a shootout against Mizzou. That Mizzou win over Kentucky was very impressive. I've got LSU four, Mizzou five, Tennessee at six, still not sold on the balls, although they've only played one bad season, uh, one bad half so far. Uh, They've got four games left, Alabama, at Kentucky, at Missouri, and Georgia. That will define whether this season is going to be super successful or not. They're definitely locked in at seven wins. I don't think they'll lose all four of those. In fact, I think they probably will split those four games. Uh, and so I think Tennessee likely to go nine and three in year three of Josh Heupel, which is pretty outstanding. After an 11 win season last year, Tennessee will have a chance in the bowl game, I think, to come back and win 10 games. That's really pretty impressive. Josh Heupel, like I said, 16 and three in his last 19 games, 13 straight wins at home at Tennessee, the longest home winning streak, uh, since 1996 to 2000, Georgia certainly on the 18th will be coming to town. Tennessee should have won 14 in a row uh, when Georgia comes to town. As I mentioned earlier, we'll see whether Brock Bowers is back. I've got Tennessee at six, Kentucky at seven, which based on the last two weeks may be too high, but Kentucky whipped Florida three weeks ago. So I've got Kentucky at seven, Florida at eight, A&M at nine, Arkansas at 10. Uh, Razorbacks continue to play well, uh, but lose close games. Auburn at 11. South Carolina at 12. Uh, Tough loss for South Carolina. They were up 10 with five minutes to go. End up losing by a couple of points. That was one of the games we lost. By the way, good gambling day. Nine and five in college football. Five and one uh, in the the overall uh, NFL picks. Uh, and 13th place, Mississippi State, 14th place, uh, I have got Vanderbilt. That is how I would break down all of, uh, all of those, uh, aspects of this, uh, of the college football universe. 
Obviously, I could keep uh, uh, firing on a couple of other stories that I want to mention. As we speak right now, it feels like it is likely Jim Jordan is going to be Speaker of the House. I told you that I thought that would happen. Uh, I even said I like Jim Jordan. I've known him for a long time. Uh, I've had uh, a lot of interactions with him over the years. I think he's going to do a good job as Speaker. Uh, I think that's a very good choice by Republicans. Uh, I like him personally. We had him on the Outkick show back in the day. Um, so uh, I think he'll be a good fit. Uh, I wanted to mention only 2% of Americans have gotten the COVID shot. Uh, that's according to the CDC's own data. 2%. Pfizer stock has dropped in half since December of 21. On Friday, it was at a lower price than it was before COVID became an issue in the United States. It's lost $175 billion in market cap valuation since December of 21. That is, what, a little bit less than two years ago when it seemed like the COVID shot was going to uh, be given out and everybody was going to be taking it. Again, a lot of people talking big on social media, almost no one getting this shot. 2%. Wanted to mention, too, uh, and we'll have a big discussion about this, a lot of debate about cancel culture for college students. All I will say is I want a consistent application of First Amendment law, uh, even though it's obviously the case that the First Amendment doesn't apply in the same way. State institutions may be a little bit more of an argument, but certainly to private schools like GW where I went. um, I think there's a big story uh, in terms of what we're seeing college students saying on campus, we used to say uh, on the left they did, words are violence, silence is violence. Now many people on the left refuse to condemn actual violence. Uh, New York Times, interesting piece on Jewish reaction uh, to what is going on right now um, in terms of a lot of Jewish voters who tend to support Democrats, 65-35-70-30, speaking out in an aggressive way on this. Um, And uh, I think all of those discussions are important going forward. We'll continue to have them. Uh, I'm going to break down the NFL on Tuesday. We'll also do the fade where we react to what happens with Cowboys and Chargers tonight. I love all of you. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.